Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I Once again, filling in for Mark Kastner, I'm Jeremiah Shan, and joined again by Arya, Arya, <laughs> Ari Lillianwall. Yeah, there you go. That's the, yeah. that's hey. the thing, 100%. And uh, Ari is going to basically be a regular part of this podcast, so I figured I needed to make sure to get his name right, because that's a totally lame move to blow your name it's not that hard it's really not i mean i'm so used to people screwing it up that it doesn't phase me but but i totally botched ari yeah well you would be surprised how many people have trouble with the first name like as much as the last name yeah that's sad i think that ari is like a relatively common name and that people should be able to get it but yeah like i said you'd be surprised yeah i mean i wish i would surprise but you know, Jeremiah, you'd never get, like, it's not, like, the most obscure name. You should see some of the spellings I get for this thing. <laughs> but, uh, anywho, we've got, this is a huge, this is, like, I feel like we've just backed into this. It's a huge week in Sounders history. Like, yeah. maybe, maybe the biggest week in Sounders history right now. Yeah. I mean, I said it on the last show before this game against LAFC that if they pull it off, it's the most impressive win in Sounders history. Yeah. And when you factor in that they won it with how they won it, I think, I think that easily holds true. Like that was a crazy performance. I agree. And, and it's, you're almost inclined to diminish the accomplishment because like they didn't make it look easy, but they kind of did in a, you know, they didn't like, you know, the tension was really high the whole time because LAFC is the type of team that can go off for two or three goals really fast. Yes. And so, like, I kind of felt like the whole time I was waiting or expecting that to happen, you know, the dam was going to break and LAFC all of a sudden was going to start pouring it on. So yep. because of that, like you said, it didn't feel like an easy game. But when you look at it, how it actually ended up playing out front to back, LAFC gets one set-piece goal early in the game they threatened a couple other times, but they were ne- they never just looked like the buzzsaw that uh, that they had been all season. I don't think at all for any sustained stretch. It's not like they were limited to the one set piece goal and they were dominating and firing chances at yeah. the entire game or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, I nothing nothing's ever easy against that team in that building, but they made it look about as easy as. I think it's possible to do. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the, you know, the four other, five other games that they lost all season, and especially at the two, and I'm including Open Cup here, you look at the two other games they lost at home, and the Sounders, granted, gave up 30 or 65% of possession. There's no question LA was still holding the ball a lot, but if you look at all the chances, you know, even if you exclude, like granted all three of the Sounders goals were great goals, but they were also kind of like kind of low probability chances in the sense that, you know, yeah. When, if you get Raul Rui Diaz at the top of the box and he's able to get a shot off, you like his chances, but how many times does he sky that shot? I mean, that's just how that works, right? That's not like, they don't hit it true every time. Right. And, uh, and same thing with, with Ladera, all three of the goals basically came from the edge or the outside the penalty area. But if you even you look beyond those chances, they had all the better looks. Um, you know, Brad Smith had two breakaways. One, how bad? Like, let's talk about this. How badly did you want Nuhu to score? Oh man! On that Brad Smith breakaway, where well, all he has to do is square the ball, and then when and then when Nuhu is like, no, nah, I'm taking it myself, and then he gets one on one as a save. Okay, so the second one, you know, it was a pretty open look for New Who, but uh, it didn't it didn't really surprise me that Tyler Miller saved it. He's yes. uh, they've gone against each other in training a few times. Tyler Miller probably knew what he was going to try to do, uh, but Brad Smith, uh, all he has to do is lay that off, and New Who has an open net. Yes, and that becomes as as iconic a win as this already was. Yeah. Uh, for Seattle, it becomes that much more iconic if New Who scores the goal to make it four-one at the very end. Uh, and you know, you could see New Who was—he uh, was—he was, was not happy. Giving it to Brad Smith a little bit, <laughs> he knew that was his big chance. Um, 
And it, you know, it didn't wind up hurting them, but it was, still, I don't think Brad, you know, I watched the replay a couple times. I don't think Brad ever, uh, ever saw him or knew he was there. I, I think. Yeah. I need to, I need to go back and I've been meaning to sit down and like, just watch the whole game from front to back I again. Think it because it was so loud that he couldn't hear new who yelling at him and he just assumed he was on an Island and didn't really look back and yeah, able to shoot it. I, don't I mean, know. I, I, I absolutely believe that. Um, yeah. But, but it was – but, yeah, I mean, and they had other – you know, they, they had some other decent looks as well. And and the only really good look that LAFC had was that one where Diego Rossi comes in on the left side, puts in a cross that was just a little behind Diamandi. And if he if he's able to hit a better cross, I think Diamandi probably scores there. But that was actually – that was when it was already 3-1. Yeah, they had a couple, like – decent looks other than that fry had to make uh at least one he did make at least one big save save yeah Yeah. but like i just think generally if you look at the game you know lafc they pretty much most games they've played this year they've been just overwhelming they've been this like force in nature where they there was none of that playing a different sport at a different speed and like in, in that game they looked like a normal soccer team you know yeah like, like a mortal like, like a perfectly you cut them they bleed a run-of-the-mill mls team uh yeah. they never they never really got it going and so you know i we've all been talking about how exactly the sounders did that what the game plan was uh and you know the tactical acumen of brian schmetzer to be able to institute that game plan and for them to they really executed it perfectly it was a yeah. master class on how to go into a hostile environment and win a road playoff game uh but what you know whatever it was we can debate it all day but they they pulled it off i got i gotta give it to them in the sense that i i'm not i'm gonna be totally honest i did not think that game would go like that i thought no one did no one did no one outside of i don't think brian schmetzer thought it was gonna go like that like i I think think he thought they had a chance to win but if you like i don't i don't think anyone in the sounders organization would have said three one we're going like, to win this 3 1. An easy 3, like not a fluky 3 1. Like a no, but like a well deserved 3 1. If you, like, when I, we were, when me, you, and Tim were recording the preview before the game, did, did any of us express in our wildest imaginations <laughs> that it would be a comprehensive, easy no. kill 3 1? Like, no. And we're about, would... I mean, this is like, I think in terms of like, like, I think we're at the, in the level headed, like, spectrum, but we're like definitely skewing towards like, we're rooting for the Sounders to do well. And maybe you're not, maybe you're like down the middle. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely rooting for the Sounders to do well. And I did not like, I mean, I definitely, I didn't see it coming. And I, and I, and I, that's with like, even thinking that the Sounders had a chance to win. I didn't think it was as dire as it was being framed at, but I knew that it was an upset. It was a big upset. Like there's, and there's no, there's no shame in like, I've seen some people kind of like, like, be a little defensive about calling it an upset. Look, it's an upset when a team that's 16 points ahead of you or 18 point, whatever it was, ahead Your of you. The differential was plus 45. 48. 48. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I messed that up. That's why what I was, knew the correct answer. What was Seattle's plus three? Plus three. They were plus 45 better. Plus 45 better goal differential. Like, yeah. That's where you got that number from. Yeah. There, there we go. That's what I meant. Um, but yeah, it was it, like there's just no way, and and I don't know, like is like five thirty eight had the Sounders as nineteen percent chance winning Vegas. You know the the bookmakers all had the Sounders at like plus five hundred, plus six hundred, which is basically five to one or six to one odds. Uh, so, like was it that big of a mismatch? I don't know. You know those like the bookmakers are going on where the money is. 538 is all they're doing is punching in numbers and they're not necessarily trying to correct for all sorts of various like real life variables. And I don't blame them for doing that. They're just working with the numbers they got. They're spitting at Rick. So maybe it wasn't that big of an upset, but it's a, it's an upset. It's a big win. And the Sounders, I think were regardless of, you know, and before I want I get into this, I, I want to back up. You mentioned Brian Schmetzer's game plan. And one of the things that struck me, you know, I don't know if you read Matt Pence's article, uh, like yeah, how the yeah. Sounders constructed an upset or whatever. I don't remember exactly. What it is. I absolutely, for what it's worth, 
go read that article. It's really wonderful. It gives some wonderful insight into Brian Schmetzer's thinking. But he talked to Brian the day before the game or two days before the game, and he sat him down, and he basically laid out, this is how we're going to attack LAFC. And that was, you know, I think there was some risk in that, in, in that, you know, if it doesn't go well, people will read this the next day and go like, wow, the Senators went into this with a real simple mindset. Maybe they needed to be better prepared or something. I don't know, like whatever the Monday morning quarterbacking would be. But Brian basically explains exactly what they're going to try to do. And it plays out exactly like he yeah. hoped it would. And, and I think you got to give him a ton of credit for coming up with a game plan, it, whether it was simple or complicated or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I've seen people like try to retcon this thing like, well, yeah, if you clog the middle and you get the ball out on the wing and blah, 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 it's, of course you, you can win these games. Like if it was that easy, come on. Like there's – Everyone would be, have been right, doing it all year. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, like LAFC wasn't just going up against teams that were letting them do whatever the, they wanted and they were just more talented. Like they, they were changing things up. But anyway, the thing that struck me was after the game – Matt asks Brian something along the lines of, hey, we talked about the tactics going to this game. It kind of played out how you thought or whatever. And he and Brian refused to, like, do any celebrating or dunking or, like, there was no, like, well, yeah, already, who the fuck already, is the smart guy now? He already dunked on Bob once, so he didn't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I, that's fair. But I just thought it was, it was so Brian Schmetzer to, yeah. you know, he just had, he just systematically un- like undid 35 games of pure dominance from LAFC in the span of 90 minutes. And he's, you know, yeah, he had a dig at Bobby Warshaw and he, and he kind of took it, maybe he took it, you can, depending on how you look at it, he, maybe he took a bit dig at Bob Bradley, but when it came, when push came to shove, it was, yeah, I'm just, you know, we, we, we executed our game plan. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I thought, I, yeah, I just thought, it was so funny. Uh, I was reading what you wrote, actually, where you were kind of saying that Schmetzer, you know, he deserves to uh, to puff his chest. chest out a little bit is, is the term you used. But yeah. uh, also, when you were talking about how he doesn't get credit as a tactical mind at all, like the oh. whole story with Brian Schmetzer is always like he's uh, he doesn't know anything about tactics, but he's a really, really good man manager. That's like the right. narrative that's taking hold. Yes. Um, and you know maybe like with a game like that, uh, that that should be reevaluated. You know, you but you use the term uh, people consider him a tactical force gump, which I thought is hilarious. And that you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like he always I, he just happens to be in the right place at the right time, right? Yeah, and you know I don't think that uh, you can't really say that about him anymore. Credibly, no, I don't think so. If if, if if that shouldn't have already been dispelled, that game should dispel that. Yeah. And, and it, you know, who knows? I mean, he's not, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say he's, he will sit here and say that he's not, uh, you know, he's not Pep Guardiola. You know, he, right, yeah. he he's not going to sit here and try to convince you that he's any of those things. But I also think that one of the things that I'm so impressed by him is that he knows what he isn't and he leans into his weaknesses like he looks for people who are going to supplement his weaknesses. So he feels he, he goes out and like how many coaches would bring on Preki, this huge personality, former MLS coach of the year. You know, he was supposedly going to go coach in the premier league, you know, big ego, you know, he was like one of the best players in MLS history. And Brian Schmetzer has the confidence to bring him on as like, uh, just like an assistant. Like we don't actually know really what Preki does. I don't think like he he's, works with, no, he works with the forwards. Yeah. He works with the forwards. Right. He works with the forwards, but it's not like he's, we don't like, he's just, he's a guy that he, he had the confidence to bring him in. And he's, a, he's just like, I want to bring in another soccer brain. And he's not worried about Preki undermining him. He's not worried about Gonzalo Pineda undermining him or Jimmy Troyori or these guys that have like clearly accomplished a ton in their careers, but have like pretty sharp soccer minds. And he just surrounds himself with people and he lets them do their job and he trusts their opinions and he trusts himself to make, to like kind of like see over everything. 
I, I just think he's a, he's an amazing story and he doesn't get nearly enough credit uh, for what he's, he's done. Yeah. And I think that maybe, you know, with how this playoff run has gone, has gone, maybe that's going to change. I think right. the first year, you know, when he took over mid season and won MLS cup, I don't think anyone really knew what to make of that. You know, yeah. he, he hadn't really been there for very long. And, you know, it really felt like the team just got this jolt from Ladero and just, just the coaching switch in general. I don't think people nationally at least really knew how much to read into how much was to do with his coaching ability there. Then yeah. they make it back the next year. And I think at that point, that's maybe when people should have started to say, all right, maybe this guy can coach a little bit. I mean, he just did right. it again. Uh, right. But it didn't really work out like that. And then the next year, you have the team as hot as it's been, right? Uh, winning nine straight and looking looking like it's unbeatable. They went into they, the playoffs. And then you have that series against Portland – that, you know, they, they played them straight up and they won the home game 3-2, but they lose in penalties. And I think any time you go down against Portland on your home field as the coach of the Sounders, yeah. that's, people are just going to that, – that, that people are just going to look at that at face value and not yeah. anything else. Well, and, and they – you know, and that's – about that. You know, it's kind of a – I don't really – one of the things I don't understand, and it's kind of an interesting – that we're here again, third time in four years. I guess we haven't even mentioned that the Sounders are going to be hosting out. Like, I, I assume you know this if you're listening. But the Sounders are hosting MLS Cup, and they're hosting it against Toronto FC, who pulled off their own upset. Not as big of an upset, but a pretty significant upset. But they're playing them upset. for the third – the same game, third time in four years, we're going to play Toronto FC. Like uh, Greg Vanny said, they kind of owed the Sounders a home game, which is very tradition. big of him. Uh but the, one of the, the interesting contrasts, I think, is Greg Vanny and Brian Schmetzer. Greg Vanny also is blessed with a huge amount of talent on his roster, and yet somehow he's managed to position himself as this tactical mastermind. And Brian Schmetzer is like, like you know, like, uh, I said, like a, a tactical Forrest Gump or something. And, and I actually wonder, though, if it – one of the things I, I mentioned in my columns, I, I wonder if it, were, it is in his favor in some ways that people just – overlook him and they don't assume that he's going to come in with this you know game plan that's capable of doing anything beyond yeah he's going to roll out the big money players in a four two three one and just hope right and just hope, hope it works for out. the best yeah yeah um but he clearly knows he he understands what's going on i think he he gets what's going on he's he's mm. a, he's a great uh I think he's a perfect fit for this team right now, if nothing else. I don't, you know, and I, you know, I, I know it always gets, like, every now and then I'll see someone mention, like, hey, does Brian Schmetzer, maybe the U.S. national team could use a guy like Brian Schmetzer. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But I do think it's an inter another interesting contrast with Greg Berhalter, who anyone, like, he'll go on Extra Time Radio and spend half an hour chopping up tactics with, uh, with Bobby Warshaw, and so we have this vision of him as this tactical genius. And I think partly because he's willing to publicly put it out there. Like he has, he has, he has thoughts. Like he has, like whether or not they are, system. huh? He has a system. Yeah. He's got a system. And so therefore, if you have a system, you must know what you're talking about. Yeah. And Brian Schmetzer, I don't think he has a system. And I guess that maybe is used to his, that's mm -hmm. one of the things people criticize him for is that if that like somehow tactical masterminds know how to play a system really well which doesn't actually make any sense it seems to me that if you were don't have a system that would you have to be up. more adaptive right exactly which is you're always to sticking to your system it's right yeah exactly that's I, i've never really understood that line of thinking but that seems to be the line of thinking in any case um good for brian schmetzer good for the sounders um but let's 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 move into let's finally move into the second element of the or is this a are you good? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. Uh, I, I knew you have some other stuff that you had to take care of. I didn't want to, maybe we'll, this is a good place for a commercial break. Maybe All tell, right. tell our producer to put a commercial break in here. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, welcome back to the Sandra Hart podcast. We are now going to talk about finally get to it. The second big thing that happened this week, Toronto FC pulls off the upset and all of a sudden, the Sounders go from 
like, I don't know, a couple months ago, I think there was an open concern that maybe they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know if it ever fully got to that type of – Yeah, they never dropped out of playoff position. They were never out of position. But I think it, the concern was more that they're going to get there and not be able to do anything. Right. I, I totally agree with that, and I think there was some open question as to where their seating would be. And But lo and behold, here we are, dust settling. They're hosting MLS Cup. Yeah. Like, what a – like – I can't – I'm honestly – I am I was – so I was uh, at a big layover in, at the Las Vegas airport during the Atlanta-Toronto game, and everyone there was watching the World Series. So I had to pull it up on my laptop, and, like, my YouTube TV wasn't right. working. So I'm, like, streaming it on Reddit, like, really uh, janky stream. It's not really working that well, but I can tell what's going on, and I'm just sitting in this Vegas bar. And uh, De Leon scores that goal, like, 10 minutes from, from – uh, from full time. And I, I was just so gobsmacked because I was as, as sure as I was that LAFC was going to beat Seattle. I was like equally sure that Atlanta was going to beat Toronto. Like I, I had just kind of resigned yes. myself yes. to the LAFC Atlanta MLS cup, which, you know, their fan bases want that, but I don't think anyone else in the, that's just like, it's just kind of, I don't know. I saw some takes, Last night that Seattle Toronto is a boring matchup or whatever. I, LAFC Atlanta, what's what's you know? Is Atlanta really you know, a better like? I don't. I think like are those two teams really playing like amazing, incredible, aesthetically pleasing soccer? Like LAFC certainly wasn't in against the Sounders, and they really weren't for the last part of the regular season. If we're being honest, yeah. Like, I mean, how many? Like, let's be honest. Like, how many? Like LAFC over the last two months has been really average. Yeah, like, exactly. Really average. So this idea that LAFC Atlanta is, like, going to be this great advertisement for the game where the, the LAFC Galaxy game was horrible. It was, was a horrible game. I mean, it was entertaining, but it was, it was a horrible game. It was entertaining, but it was legitimately – I think it was probably the worst played soccer game I watched, MLS game, all season. I watched a lot of MLS. It was really, <laughs> really bad. So, like, I don't want to hear that – it. The LAFC Atlanta MLS Cup is that it's not happening, so it's robbing us of this beautiful Epic. aesthetically yeah. pleasing. Also, it, it, Atlanta hasn't been playing pretty soccer all season. All no, season, they, they don't they don't do that anymore under no. FTB. Like, Joseph left, Martinez do is an immensely talented player. PT Martinez also talented, although he hasn't been very good. They've got some very talented players, but they do not play an aesthetically pleasing. Like save, save, like save it. Like they're a good team. They won some huge games this year. They're an amazing fan base. They do a lot of stuff right. But if you're gonna sit here and tell me that they play an inherently more attractive game than the Sounders, you're crazy. And I don't think they're even playing a What's more a attractive game than Toronto. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and and by the way, I just looked this up. Of their last, LA won three of their last ten games. Including the LA game. The yeah, people games. forget that they were not they were not like red hot for no. No. like four or five weeks to end the season, and so I think maybe maybe that got uh, underestimated in the in the scheme of this game. Yeah. So their form, you know, they they were amazing for most of the season, and then their form dipped kind of at the end, and yeah. maybe they were just playing how kind of how they had been playing. I don't know. Anyway, and and the two games that they. The two of the games they won at the end of the regular season were both against non-playoff teams, Houston at home and Colorado at home. Uh, it was not – it's not been – it's not been pretty uh, during that time, I guess is my point. And so I, I – like, just save it. Like, save it. <laughs> that was – yeah, that was, a, that was a tangent, but it was a necessary one because there was a lot of the uh, – not a lot, but more than one national pundit, I will say, was – I saw it too. Okay. You, you're not imagining things. Uh, there were some. One of my colleague at SB Nation, Kim McCauley, actually said something like, "Oh, great, we got the two teams that most effectively played a low block." And yeah, the two teams that played on the road. You mean one? Yeah. Like, okay, I don't know what the point is. Like, I don't. Whatever. Like, and I. Here's my guess that. The last, the I guess last year maybe set a record for 
viewership, at least in the United States, for MLS Cup, I would suspect this one will do very well as well. Like, people are going to watch this thing. Toronto's the biggest market in Canada. Seattle is one of the biggest soccer markets in, C- in the United States. People are going to be watching this game. They want to see these two fan bases. It's going to be 70,000 people. Inside, by the, that brings us to the next point. We're, like, I don't know what I was expecting as far as attendance goes, but tickets now, it's, it, today is Thursday. Tickets went on sale last night after the game. And uh, they were being picked up pretty quickly. They haven't gone on sale to the public yet as of the time that we are recording this. They don't go on sale until 10 a.m. on Friday. And I've been monitoring this all day. I've been tweeting about it. Tickets are getting snapped up by like season ticket holders can basically buy extra tickets. And uh, essentially the 300 sections right now, as of this recording are going for over 80 bucks. And that's like on the primary market. That's being, that's just based on dynamic pricing that the Sounders are, uh, that our Sounders are doing with SeatGeek. That's not like scalper prices. That's, that's, and these are not great seats. These are sections like in the out, like in the, getting towards the, the corners and the, and the end lines and the 300s. I fully expect this thing to sell out. I don't think it's going to sell it before it goes on sale to the public, but tickets are selling fast. Like this is going to be an epic event. Yeah, no, it'll be, there'll be 70,000 people in there. That is crazy. Yeah, we, we haven't seen 60,000, I don't think. Since, I think 2015 was the last time they cracked 60,000. They've cracked 60 a few times. Yeah, uh, it's been it a while. It doesn't really happen very often. So. No, they had 67,000 was the record back in 2013. And I should have looked, I should have confirmed this, but I don't think that was, that was for sure before the Seahawks added some seating. And I think it was before they started selling the Hawks nest. So this is almost, there's a pretty good chance this is the most attended soccer match in Seattle history, uh, which is, Gonna be, I mean, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, good, uh, good to be Adrian Hanauer right now. Good, good to be Adrian Hanauer. Yeah, I that's that's a good way of putting it. And I, I think it's just gonna be a fun event. I don't, I, I think the Sounders are probably favorites, but um, that's not what has me so excited about this. Like, I, I hope the Sounders win. Obviously, I'll be rooting for them. I think they are the favorites going into this thing. But I'm not looking at this as like coronation day. This is just an event. The the event I'm excited to have. This is really the first time that the uh, soccer, the American soccer community has really come to Seattle in anything like this way. Uh, We had the world cup qualifier back in 2013. That was, that was pretty fun, but that was also 44,000 or so. It wasn't a huge, it was a big number, but not a, a huge number. And there was national media there, but it wasn't, it wasn't MLS cup. Uh, no, yeah, MLS Cup really – I mean, I've been to two of them, both of the ones in Toronto. And yeah. you really – it really is uh, just a whole different level of anything okay. that you even see in the playoffs in terms yeah. of national exposure and the amount of media that's there, uh, the media members that are there. You have every single A-lister. Uh, there's events going on all over the city. Simon Borg. Maybe he'll come out of retirement. Simon Borg will be here. Uh, the entire extra time radio crew, my boys. I I, I really hope. Uh, Actually, I asked. I was talking to Doyle about this. He says they're not taking the extra time radio crew on what? the road. Yeah, I was very disappointed. What? Oh, that's that. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, you're gonna talk have to, to talk to someone that. over there. Make that happen. Yeah. Oh, I had a whole plan to bring Christian Roldan to the to the mobile studio or whatever they were gonna have. Well, they. I'm. Uh, I assume that like. Susanna Collins or whoever, like some of their kind of mobile people will be here. So I'm sure there'll be some yeah. mobile studio aspect, but the, the proper, but it's got, you know, for the rolled on thing to be a good bit, like it's gotta be, uh, who are the ones that always call them overrated? Oh, sure. Shaw, yeah. Doyle, I don't know. <laughs> Any of those guys. Yeah. Any of those guys. would you just come in eating a piece of pizza. Is that the bit? <laughs> And they don't truly think he's overrated. I don't think. By the way, that's just like a that's just a joke I have. Yeah. Do you like their producer? Anders, their producer, did say is, it once, is a Seattle guy. You would think. Yeah. What's that? They did say that they think Christian Roldan was overrated once, but I don't think that they actually like really stand by that take. Right. Sure. Well, that's okay. Uh, do we? 
so looking at Toronto, they've yeah. had a very almost Sounders in 2016 like run at this thing. They were out of the in and out of the playoffs. They were kind of milling around the bottom end of the Eastern Conference standings for a lot of the early part of the season. There was a, a not insignificant. There was there was some you know not totally unwarranted concern right around June or so when uh, they started real strong. They started 3-0, and but then they just kind of fell apart after that. Um, yeah, they were stuck in neutral for most of the regular season. Yeah, they, they you know, on like halfway through the season, they were still outside of a playoff spot. They were, at one point, they had gone, it looks like, eight games winless. Oh, man. Yeah. They went, they had an eight game winless run in like toward this, like the middle, one of the middle quarter, like the second quarter of the season essentially was winless. The whole second quarter of the season essentially was winless for them. And there was some real talk that Greg Vanny was maybe on his way out. And they, they kind of stuck by it. Uh, Pozuelo was starting to look like a, interesting signing but not someone who really was going to lift them into like the, was going to effectively replace Giovinco who they were playing with all year without all year uh there he was even talk of bringing Giovinco back if I remember correctly I don't I don't remember that that would have been funny I feel like that, that was something that was discussed briefly but Josie Altador has been dealing with injury Michael Bradley yeah, they haven't had Josie the whole playoffs yeah that's kind of one of that the amazing things and that's like another thing I think it makes it very similar to the 2016 run that the Sounders went on, who they, where they obviously went on that run without Clint Dempsey. Uh, Josie Altor, I don't – has he played at all? Did he no, play against D.C.? I, he didn't play against D.C.? I don't think so. I, I, and if you told me that TFC was going to have to be going on the road in the playoffs without Josie. Yeah. I mean, for know. sure they beat New York City and Atlanta without Josie. And they were playing – I think Pozuelo is a false nine. If Josie's played in the playoffs, it's been very minimal. Right. He, I mean, it's – but it's – yeah, it's just and, – and, it, and it's still not entirely clear if he's going to be available in this game. I would assume he will be just because it seems like he will be. But I, I that's you just – I don't know. It's like, isn't it a hamstring? Am I, am I yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he's yeah, not like, – you're right. He, he hasn't played at all in the playoffs. Yeah. And um, – you know, you, he, he's been out the amount of time that you would think by the time MLS Cup comes around, he, he should be, you know, healed. Uh, but that's like the, a big storyline to keep an eye on because even if he plays, is he going to be 90 minutes fit? Like, are they going to be able to start him? Is he going to be able to be the type of really impact the game, get a bunch of chances and finish one or two? He's, type he's been out a month. Yeah, like, you know, coming right back into MLS Cup and expecting Josie to carry the load for you for 90 minutes, like, I don't know if you can do that. No, he's, quad strain is what they're calling it. Quad strain. Um, yeah, so. I mean, he's been out for a while. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe he can, and it becomes like the epic, he was out the whole playoffs, and then he came back and scored a couple goals in MLS Cup type story. But that's, I for me, if I'm Greg Vanny, that's hard to bank on. Well, it's hard I, to I bank know. on, and I think it also, you're – if I'm in Greg Vanny's shoes, there's also a part of me that says, man, we got here. This is how we got here. Is it, are we yeah. undermining ourselves by changing things up in the final? Like you can argue that Altador is such a, like he's so much better than effectively playing without a forward that you can make the argument. I would argue that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you probably can argue. There's that, no way, I, there's no way this TFC team is like discovered some formula and that they're better without Josie. He's there without a forward at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like he is their, uh, their best goal scorer. And he also like, he like last time they played in Seattle, didn't he score a couple goals? Like, you know, he can, uh, yeah. What did he score both goals in the, in the three, two Sounders? He, win? I've seen him score a couple goals at century. Like I know. Yeah. That. I think, I think you're like, probably right. So he can he can get at the Sounders a little bit. He scored in the 17 Cup, didn't he? When yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, so, he, did. Uh, he, he did. He scored the goal that seemed like it was probably offside. Yeah, no. If he is if he is uh, healthy and anywhere 
towards fit, like you start him in my opinion and you get as much as you can. Maybe he has to come out at 60 or whatever. Uh, but I like, I don't know. It's tough just cause he hasn't, he hasn't been playing all playoffs and you don't know how fit he's going to be. But I, I, I have to imagine that if he can start, he will. Yeah, he's I, I think you're probably right. If he's available, he almost has to start. And if no other reason, it's too easy to second guess not. I, I do think a lot of times coaches make decisions based on how easily am I second guessing. I rationalize this? this, yeah. Right. And I think that's a fair way to do it. If you just do the most obvious thing and then people question you on it, like, well, I was just doing what the Right. It's what easier to get fired. it's you're more likely to get fired over doing the crazy thing like, I don't know, starting Charlie Joseph in uh in your most important game of the season at forward but uh why did i pick that scab i don't know <laughs> yeah is that a reference uh, to something yeah um <laughs> uh, so yeah we go into this game they've been getting getting uh contributions all over their roster yesterday nick de leon of all people is the guy who scores the the game winner i honestly the guy who scored the first goal which was a great goal like I assume you know who he was. I had no who I had no idea who that guy yeah, was. Yeah, I know who he was because I've been uh, I've recapped a few uh Toronto FC games on the MLS editorial desk. So I've uh I've written a couple Nicholas Benize goals. Yeah, is he how good is 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 he like a legit Yeah, he's stud? pretty good. Like are, like as much as they struggled this year and as much as this playoff run is kind of being looked at as like a Cinderella run like they're still TFC they're still like a good, they still got a bunch of really good players talented team with you know and I think there's similar to Seattle in the sense that it's like there's a lot I think we're seeing that there's a lot to be said for experience and having a group that just like knows how to get these results right and they are they are that type of team I think clearly Josie or not like they know how to dig deep and do what they need to do to get results in tough environments and, you know, go on the road and get results. So I think, you know, there's a way you could look at it where Seattle has already beaten the hardest team that they were going to have to play in the playoffs in LAFC. But in no way do I think that means that Toronto is is to be taken lightly in any sense. No. Uh, Because, you know, they have, they have experience and, uh, players that have been in these situations before in this league, in these circumstances that LAFC really didn't have. And I think that probably that, that is probably something that played into how Seattle handled LAFC in the way that they did. And I don't think that that's going to be as a factor against Toronto because Toronto, they're, they're talented, they're deep and they're experienced. So, and I think any, anything that you can say, that you were confident about this, any reason that you would have been confident about the Sounders chances of advancing through the Western conference. Like you said, they'd been there, this experience, they have high end talent that had maybe underperformed go down the list, right? You can say the exact same thing about Toronto FC Toronto. This is like, this is essentially the same core of, 2000 that of the 2017 team that was TFC before T I mean, that was LAFC before LAFC was. Yeah. Uh, so this is a very talented team. They haven't been great this year, but don't for a second think that Toronto is going to be like a punching bag in this thing. Yeah. If you're thinking of it like, well, LAFC is better than Toronto and the Sounders just beat LAFC and now the Sounders they, have Toronto. Ergo. Home, so they're going to easily roll Toronto. You have to say ergo if you are going to use that style ergo, logic. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't think of it like that is the, no. is the point. Like it's I, – I, I would imagine, you know, there's always the possibility with Seattle at home they, they can overwhelm teams at times. I would be pretty. They haven't done that much this year, though. <laughs> that is true. That is true. They, I mean, they sort of did that against RSL. I mean, they only got two goals, but that was a pretty one. No, you're right. But I, I just would be pretty surprised if that's how this ended up playing out. I would be much more expecting this to be a very competitive, closer type of game. I haven't been able to confirm this, but I think I think the Sounders are either trying to tie or set a MLS record for consecutive home playoff wins um i think they're on 11 right now or 12 11 or 12 i have to go back and check but i heard somewhere that they i think we had been on a broadcast they said the sounders were uh close to that record 
So They're, the Sounders are really hard to beat at CenturyLink in the playoffs. I mean, I don't in know, this what play, the, especially in the playoffs. But I don't I mean, know what the yeah what the streak is at. But I know Brian Schmetzer's record is something ridiculous. It's like eleven three and five. Yeah. Or something like that. Like they're you know, tough. They're tough at home, no matter what. Yeah. But in the playoffs, it's like you know Seattle should be should be favored. So yeah, they in are. that way, it is like a. It's just funny how big of a reversal it is from yes. the Western Conference Final because LAFC was such a heavy favorite. And now that they've won that game and it, it panned out so that they're hosting the game, they're like kind of being looked at like LAFC was being looked at in the last game. And that's how it should be. Uh, but I don't know. You, you get to this point to MLS Cup, you know whoever you're playing is going to be coming after it. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't. I don't think you could ever go into MLS Cup thinking like, "This no. is it's." Like I said, it's right. Coronation Day, whatever. Um, that's my that's my Frozen reference. I'm sure no one other than me has. Whenever I say Coronation, has that running through their well, head. Speaking of Frozen, that's actually oh good good, good transition. That's a good transition because what I was gonna say is that you know the 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 last two times these, these teams played in <laughs> yes. Toronto, it, yes. it was like. Especially horrible. It was yeah, horrible. It was just ridiculous. It was basically not soccer, especially the no. first year. Like, it, it was so cold that it was. That was not a soccer game. That was a survival test. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. And and the second year, like, I guess what my my point is, the second year Toronto kind of did roll over Seattle in a way that you wouldn't expect in an MLS Cup. That was a really one sided game. But I just think like the wet the weather. You know, you can downplay it and say both teams have to deal with it and you know, you can't use it as an excuse. And I, I agree with that. Like they, I'm just talking from a media standpoint, from a media standpoint, but also just like, I have, I have a hard time, like looking at either of those games and being like, these tell me a whole lot about how good the teams were. Yeah, no, I, and neither one of the games were like aesthetic. And I guess if that's the one thing you want to say, like they've played twice before in an MLS cup final and neither one of them were aesthetically pleasing games. That's a fair, Criticism. I mean, the second one was aesthetically pleasing if you were a Toronto fan. I, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, they were just shithousing the Sounders to yeah uh, take a, a phrase from a friend of mine. But uh, so there's not, I don't think there's an actual forecast for all the way to next su- Sunday, but all next week, it's supposed to be like nice-ish for Seattle in the winter anyway. It's like 47 degrees high, but like, so it'll minimal. be cold, but it could be sunny. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like that, it's going to be like a crisp. My suspicion is that it's going to be like a crisp fall day. And yeah, all right, uh, good. Like perfect. Let us, let us see these teams in a in just normal circumstances. You know? Yes. Like exactly. I, I really for anyone who wasn't there, like I cannot describe how cold those two games were. I have never felt cold like that. Right. And you know, I grew up in New Mexico where it's a desert, but it gets pretty cold in the winter. And I've never, I've just, I can't emphasize it enough. I've never experienced anything like that. It, soccer should not be played in it. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it, it was a mess. It was a total mess. And so hopefully we get a, we get a better, uh, we get some better weather than that one. And um, yeah, it's, I'm excited. I'm, I'm like, I just am, ex- I'm just, very excited to have this event here. I, you know, you. I think it was 2016, maybe when M, when uh, the All Star Game was in Portland, 2015, and I remember feeling a little bit jealous. I, I don't like to feel jealous of anything that happens in Portland, but I was feeling a little jealous because the whole soccer community descended on Portland, and Portland seemed to really like step up the All Star Game like festivities like it just seemed like there was stuff going on around town and and people seemed to be excited and it felt like a big event and I remember telling myself look don't get don't get too jealous because eventually the Sounders are going to host MLS Cup and that's and and we'll have been able to save up all like the Sounders haven't been the center of like the MLS universe from uh, like Seattle, I should say, hasn't been the center of the MLS universe since 2009 when, when we of course hosted MLS cup between RSL and the galaxy. I was not actually living here at the time. I would imagine that many of our listeners were probably not Sounders fans yet. The 
it's a different world. 2009 was a completely different. Were you even at a high? Were you still in high school in 2009? I was still in high school, and I was a junior in high school. I thought I was making a joke, but apparently <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago, and and the like MLS has changed so much since 2009, and it's been. And I feel like Seattle, even though we tend to think of ourselves at the center of the MLS universe because of our the size of our fan base, because of the attention that the fan base gets because frankly of sounder heart. Uh, but the reality is that no event has been here in this way. And no. I am just really excited. I'm honestly, I'm, I like, I, I'm looking forward to visiting people asking me what they should do and asking them where they should stay and meeting up with, for people with drinks. Um, I just want to, I want to live this up. Yeah, no, it's so awesome. And you know, we talked about it a little bit already, but like, it's just such a, it's such a different level of anything that you could get in the regular season, whether it's the all-star game no, or, yeah, it's, or in the big, or in the big playoff games. Uh, it's, it really is. It's, I mean, it's the, the circus is coming to town. The circus is coming to town folks and it's going to be wild. I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to it too. Uh, I feel really just like uh, lucky and uh can't Blast. believe the happenstance that this is my third in four years. Like that is, how long have you been covering the beat? You took over for me in 2015, right? 14, halfway through 14. Okay, halfway through 14, you took over for me on the MLS. And on the so Sunders in 14, beat. my first year, they won the Shield. Right. You've had so, you've had an like an embarrassing embarrassment of riches, and when it comes to storylines. Absolutely, they had the Open Cup that year too. Then they got the 15. They just got knocked out of the playoffs. But then they win the cup in 16 and then go back in 17. Yeah. And then now they're back again. Like, it's ridiculous. But also just like, you know, the, the, the previous two MLS Cups, I was like really trying to have this mentality of like, you know, you have no idea when the team you cover is going to make it back and yes. make it this far in the playoffs. So, like, I was go, going to Toronto. I was like, just try and – enjoy it soak in the experience kind of soak in all the extra stuff that comes with it as much as you can because like this could not happen for five or six years it could not happen for ten years. like or ever the mariners yeah like you just don't (laughs) know like i i never really thought that you know like this will never happen again just because the sounders are typically a, a competitive organization and they you know they made the playoffs every year and stuff but you know making an mls cup is hard once let alone twice, let alone three times in four years. And so I, I am very just happy and feel very lucky that, uh, like, all all of the extra spectacle circus type stuff we're talking about, which is so much fun that comes with it, like, it's very unique stuff. And to get to do it three times in four years is, and the, is crazy. And, I mean, my thing, like, the last two years, the last the previous two MLS Cups, I felt very lucky to have been there. But I also got in, like, the night before. Right. And so I didn't really get to, and so you, even though you want to, like, at least for me, I wanted to be able to enjoy the whole thing, but really all I got to do was go have breakfast and then go to the game. And there wasn't a lot to enjoy. Like at that point you're working, like you're just head down. Like I didn't even, I I think I, the, the second time I didn't even really go to, I slept for like an hour or something before I had to get on the flight the next morning because we were, we were like both times, actually, I think I, I didn't really sleep the night before because I was working all night. And, uh, and, and so you don't get to like live in the moment and you don't get to appreciate this. And I, and I hope that this is something that fans can relate to because we're obviously talking about this from a professional standpoint, like we both were covering it, but the great thing about it, that like, and I, I think a lot of fans had that same experience where, they just got the cheapest, they found the cheapest way they could get to Toronto, which oftentimes, like we heard stories of people flying into Detroit and then renting a car and driving across the border. Like when you're doing stuff like that, it's hard to like appreciate what's happening around you because you're so focused on this, this like gold ring at the end of where you're trying to get to. And I think this having it in our backyard I hope everyone that's a Sounders fan soaks this in, appreciates for for what it is. Be accommodate, be nice, like welcome our Toronto neighbors. 
uh, you know, they were super, I felt super welcomed when I went out in Toronto. And yeah, they're, hope- they're, they're cool. Like the TFC fan base is, more, is you know, every fan base has its uh, bad yeah. apples. But T- TFC fans, in my experience, I've spent a lot of time with them now going to those two MLS Cups and I got nothing bad to say about them. Yeah, they, they were great. So, I mean, I, yeah. I just remember after 2016, there were, I, I, I think it was after 2016, there was a group of fans who basically waited until the Sounders fans were allowed to leave and they like gave them like a, a like they, yeah, they were like, I think there is this like kind of, I don't know, maybe you can speak to this more than me, but it seems like there's sort of like a mutual respect between the fan bases. I think so. Those two MLS cups, like a lot of the tweet replies I was seeing from the team social media accounts and stuff were people from both fan bases being like, all right, like it's our boys again. Let's do it. Like looking yeah. forward to it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It wasn't, it was not like very antagonistic. It was. No, very, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I think that this is like, if this were, if we were not that this would ever happen, but if the Sounders were playing the Timbers in a final for the third time in four years, there would be a lot of like, I'm sick of this talk, yeah, and, I'm sick and of like just over it. But I think, it probably helps that we only play them once a year otherwise, but, and that we happen to me every time we play them, it's like this big event seemingly. Uh, but it's, I, I do think that there's a mutual respect. I think that there is like, I, I hope to, like, I hope we, I hope that there's like 2000 seats put aside for Toronto fans and I hope they come out in numbers and I hope that they uh, are wearing red around town and people are giving them a playful hard time. And I hope that they get to like be here. And I, I really do like, I I'm looking forward to this. I think it's like, I've said this a million times now, but so at risk of repeating myself, I'm just excited about the event. I really am. And I don't, and I don't think I get super excited about events for the most part. Yeah. It's, it's going to be crazy. And I think, uh, it's good that it's Toronto, you know? Make it the trilogy. Yeah, exactly. I've been thinking That'll, about that a lot. Don't get me wrong. The trilogy is like, that's the third one is not always the best, right? But that's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, get it settled. And yeah, no, I would just echo what you said. Like, everyone should just have fun with this and enjoy it because it's a unique thing. You don't know when it's going to happen again. It can yeah. never happen again. So, it, just, I mean, like, it's not, I mean, you look at how the stars have to align for you to host an MLS Cup. And either you win the supporter shield, which is clearly something that's very difficult to do. The Sounders have only done it once. But then after you win the supporter shield, you got to go through this gauntlet of the playoffs. And, you know, that the Sounders have navigated it three times is pretty impressive. But there, you, should not, you should not take it for granted that it's a thing. Like the Galaxy, I think Galaxy fans probably at some point, uh, you know, after 2014 were probably like, Eh, what are you gonna do? We this is what we do. We win MLS Cups. We're just gonna do it every year. Right. What have they done since then? They, they I don't not. think they've won a playoff game since then. No. No, they beat Minnesota. I guess they beat Minnesota this year. But they've won one playoff game since then. They've won one playoff game, yeah. That's yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, uh Ari, thanks for doing this. Um, as you can see, we are very excited about this. We're gonna probably do another podcast next week. Um, we're, I think we're going to try to actually do a live one, no promises, but we're going to try to put together a live podcast. Uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I know that I'm breaking news to you. So you'll have to, I'll have to give you the details of that. So anyway, uh, this is the Sounder at Pod, sorry, (laughs) this is the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah Shan signing off for, uh, Ari, Ari Lillian, Lillian Wall. Wow. Yeah. You see, why don't you do your own sign off? This is Ari Lillianwall, MLSsoccer.com, signing off the Sounder at Heart podcast. Boom.